1: Reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Welcome back, everyone, to another edition of the Big Blue Banter Podcast. Here with myself and my co-host, Nick Turchin. After a sombering loss for the New York Giants during week 15 of the 2018 regular season, at least they gave the fans a little bit of hope. Uh, some You know, a runner runner playoff scenario, but then uh, it all came crashing down with a 17, 0 loss to the Titans at home. Uh, further solidifying a stat that was actually true last season as well. The Giants are, have scored seven fewer points per game without Odo Beckham Jr. in the lineup. So just in case, you may have subscribed to that narrative that was floating around last week. The Giants offense is better without Odell Beckham Jr. Um, I can shut the door on that one. But uh, before we break down the All-22 and move into the, the news and the notes of the week um, and what we want to see moving forward as we prepare for you know a 2019 offseason where there will be, again, a lot of roster turner, turnover. Again, only 17 players from the 2017 roster are currently on the 2018 roster. That is a... Hell of a lot of turnover in one off season. I expect another one pretty similar, where the Giants will kind of just keep the younger, cheaper guys and move on from some of the other guys. Um, but uh, Nick, how are you doing today?
2: Doing good. Doing as good as you can for a for pretty, like you said, a sombering loss that was kind of depressing, and uh, good to move on from it, basically.
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean, honestly, Nick, the way I've done my, the way I've worked my schedule this year um, since we started this podcast, because I didn't actually do this every game last season, or at least not in depth, was I started, you know, breaking down uh, the All-22 on a tablet while I I walk on the treadmill. It's literally the only way I can get myself to go on a treadmill in life. So I figured out a life hack, as I call it. It's actually kind of enjoyable. Get a little nice workout and watch the game. But it was not enjoyable this week running back the coach's film on this game. It was rainy in the game. Uh, It was shitty offense on both sides of the ball. You know, a lot of people are talking about how poorly Eli Manning played. I mean, Marcus Mariota. Through for eighty-eight yards passing, and I don't think he's attempted a single pass outside the hash marks, outside of the first play action uh, roll bootleg in the in the first quarter. He maybe attempted one or one or two or three more the entire game. Um, so again, it wasn't just Eli, but again, it was an ugly, ugly game. I'm happy to get through it, Nick, um, and I know you are as well. We bitch a little bit about it uh, just before this, just jokingly though. You know, we we obviously want to see more games like last week, the forty to sixteen win over the Redskins, because that's a lot more fun to break down, if we're going to be completely honest. But it is what it is. Um, So on that note, uh, Nick, let's move on to some of the news and notes of the week. Giants are finally uh, heading into this week, this game against Indianapolis Colts. And again, for those who do not know, um, and I know most of you know this already, but the Giants have officially been eliminated from – any chance at making the 2018 playoffs, but they will go into this game against the Colts a little bit more injured than usual. Uh, Alec Ogletree is dealing with a concussion. Odo Beckham. He did not practice Wednesday. Odo Beckham Jr. Did not practice Wednesday. Russell Shepard did not practice Wednesday. He was in a walking boot. I would not expect him to play this week. Spencer Pulley, who was removed uh, in the second half of the game with an injury and John Greco replaced him ankle injury. He didn't practice Wednesday. I don't expect him to play either. I also don't expect him to play Odell for what it's worth. Um, I don't think they're going to think it's worth the risk uh and so you know the giants are going to enter this game a little bit banged up on that note nick do you think there's any you know maybe these injuries will provide are there any i guess younger players you're interested in seeing that these injuries may kind of thrust into action
2: yeah it's funny no one really comes to mind other than just more of the same and hopefully some of the young guys can bounce from last week i'm thinking about the secondary but that has nothing to do with what you said um, you know, honestly, no, and uh,
1: we'll just see because yeah, again, what, Nick, just something interesting that intrigues me. You can tell me what you think about this. And I know, you know, Pat Sherman recently went on record saying he's not ready or whatnot, but you know what? Why not give Evan Brown a shot at center this week instead of Greco? What's it, you know, I don't see what the worst that can happen. Is. You can always bench him mid game. He's truly not ready. They're always talking about the players not being ready, but you know what? I would love to see him out there and see if they have anything in him. Uh, You know, Former undrafted free agent, they signed after this draft. The people in the building really, really like him. He had some pretty damn good PFF grades uh, in college. What do you think of that idea?
2: Yeah, no, I think there's there's nothing there's nothing wrong with that. I don't think there's any issue late the season with the center rotating men. Obviously, there's something that they like about him. He was was asked in the last uh, presser about it. You know, he won't divulge what it is they like about him. I guess maybe no one's asking it specifically enough to see the traits. But you know, he's a guy with size. He played at SMU, right? SMU, yeah. Yeah, and I, I haven't seen. I've done. I lied. I tried to look for basically what you could find of tape now for guys that have already gone, um, have already been drafted, and I just I haven't dug up any games from 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 SMU for for last season. So don't you know? Don't really have a good uh good instinct or good insight there yet. The preseason tape I haven't really. I think I didn't chart the offensive alignment, so it's kind of hard to dig up. Anyway, yeah, definitely. There's I think there's no, especially too with. Um, between be even him or Greco, right? I mean, I think we exactly. definitely because I'm, I'm saying okay, yeah, I'm suggesting if Pulley's not healthy enough to play, correct. And that's what I'm saying. So I would definitely see him over Greco, especially yeah. watching Greco just get pancaked a few times, just you know, with the interior line that some of yeah, the yeah, Greco. So. I
1: mean, come on, we're not. We know this is not a long-term solution. There at this point, I mean, right. I mean you view this very similar, Nick, and I know that the way we view this right now is not the way Pat Shurmur views it, and I get it, but we want to see all these young guys. Then we want to see what they have to build around in the future, and you know, at the same time, I understand what Pat Shermer was saying when they weren't mathematically eliminated, but now that they're mathematically eliminated, it provides this nice two-game window. It's not, you know, it's nothing crazy. It's just two games, but you can get a lot of data out of it. And I think the Giants would it would be in their best interest of in their long-term future, which is in my opinion, is all they should really be thinking about. I know Pat Shermer says he wants to win games no matter what, do whatever he can, but. It would be in the best interest of their long-term future and short-term this offseason to see guys like Brown get in the game. So, you know, it doesn't look like that will be the case, but just something to keep an eye on. In other news, uh, the Giants, uh, the NFL announced the Pro Bowl team last night. Some people care about this, so we'll touch on it. Saquon Barkley made it as expected. Landon Collins made it probably, uh, I guess, more so based on his name. I mean, he's injured. He's definitely not going to be playing in the game. And, you know, some people said, uh, you know, Odell Beckham Jr. was snubbed uh, because he wasn't one of the three giants who made it. But, you know, I mean, it's hard for him to crack a list of really, really talented receivers this season, especially with the games he's missed. Um, And then lastly, Aldrick Rose, I was happy to see him get in the Pro Bowl. So, you know what? He really deserved it. The case, you know, some people made the case for Will Lutz, but Lutz, I don't think you give it to Lutz just because he's on the better team. Rose is connected on more 50 yard field goals this season and Roses has a, uh, a better long this season. And more importantly, Roses kicked in much worse conditions. Giants Saints played two road games against the, the Washington Redskins and the Philadelphia Eagles. And they played them both on the second half of the schedule where it gets a little colder. You know, the Saints play a lot of dome teams and they play in the dome themselves. So I was happy to see that happen for Roses. It pre- it's a pretty cool story, Nick, if you don't know it. For Algic Roses, he was kicking in the NAIA championship in 2014. Tore his ACL in the championship game. Missed the whole 2015 season. cleared for the draft anyway. Didn't get drafted. Was signed after the draft by the Titans. Was looking okay in camp, pretty good. You know, they stalled the leg, but they cut him before final cuts because you know they had a they had an entrenched kicker in place already. There, I who it was, uh, uh, but they have an entrenched kicker. And then the Giants signed him. Had a rocky first 2017 season, roses, but this year he's been lights out. So it's a cool story for the kid. Um, and we'll see where that goes. Any any other uh, comments from you on the Pro Bowl on what happened with the Pro Bowl?
2: Yeah, no, not uh, good to see you guys get
1: it. Not the Pro Bowl, I get it. Right. But we had to say it anyway. Um, Other news of the week, Eli Manning was named the starter for Week 16, and it sure sounded like Shermer plans to start him for Week 17 as well. Um, You know, I mean, we've beaten this topic to death. Right now at this point with them mathematically eliminated, uh, I I think most Giants fans – would want them to turn to Kyle Laletta. At least even those who want Manning back for 2019, I think, would see the the logic in turning to Laletta for these two games. Um I don't buy the not ready argument. I mean, listen, he came into a game against the Redskins two weeks ago where the Giants were literally just running on first down, running on second down and throwing on third down. And they were throwing from third and long and almost all the snaps. He he looked overwhelmed. He looked like a rookie for sure. Um but you know what? Nick Mullins is playing this season. Was Nick Mullins ready when 49ers thrust him into the, into the starting role? And I'll always come back to that, Nick, because I think it's, it's it's important and I think it's true. So, I mean, any, anything else you got on that?
2: The only thing I'm starting to think is that, um, number one, I've been wrong in everything that we've talked about for the future of this team. But besides that, I do think though, maybe there is a little bit of kind of keeping the, not rocking the boat with Manning and dealing with any of that. And as well, as well, though maybe f- just hiding their potential interest in uh, in drafting someone sp- in, uh, at, for for upcoming in this for this draft, basically with the theory that if if you really think Manning's going to play next year, you're going to play him throughout the end of the season because you want to keep the continuity, you know. And and basically, if you're going to have to go, then trade for the number one or number two or three pick, whatever it is, to get that quarterback, you know, can help with that. In, you know, basically hiding your intentions a little bit. That's I a, don't
1: know. No, that's interesting. I'm definitely intrigued by that line of thinking. I mean, hopefully, I mean. You know, at this point, I think I think it's pretty fair to say we, most you know uh, most informed Giants fans want an upgrade at the quarterback position. Now, some Giants fans believe that it's possible in 2019. Others believe it's impossible in 2019. That is a whole different debate. But you know, that would be an interesting move. Gettleman loves his guy in this draft class and, and decides to trade up. Um, but but we'll see what if that happens when it does. And then the last bit of news in a very very slow week actually for Giants news as reflected in, in my numbers, uh, in my, for my job, which is never great, but you know, it's a slow week for the Giants. I get it. Their season just ended and there's still two weeks of play, but the Giants also do not plan to scale back Saquon Barkley's workload. And while fantasy football owners who are playing in their week 16 championship game in Indianapolis on the turf are excited about this. I don't know if it's the best move for the Giants future personally, Nick. I think, you know, obviously God forbid, if he were to get injured in this game, and missed and then forced them to miss time in 2019. It would be a devastating decision. I just don't really see uh the point of keeping his workload so high for these final two games. I mean he's playing I Wayne Gallman, I don't think he played a single snap against the against the Bear oh, I'm sorry, against the Titans. That's correct, right? Gallman wasn't on the field for a snap, right?
2: I did I don't recall seeing him and they had
1: yeah, some around. Let me just make sure I'm pretty sure I'm looking at it right now. I'm pretty sure Gallman was not on the field for a single snap. Yep. Wayne Goldman did not play a single snap last week. I mean, let's be honest here. We don't need that. I don't think these last couple of weeks we've seen what Barkley can do. Obviously, the experience behind the run blocking, behind the scheme will help him. But And I'm not saying to bench him or anything like that, but, you know, I think it's time to scale back the workload a little bit. And that will also give them an opportunity to see what they got in Goldman. Um, so where do you stand on that one, Nick?
2: Yeah, and, and 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 the guys they have in the practice squad, like I wouldn't mind seeing that if they could somehow shuffle it around to get them some second half reps in a game like this. But again, it's a different school of thought. We're not, you know, kind of banging against that door a bit there.
1: Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean you're you're right about that. I guess it's something that again, we we view it a little differently than right. we're viewing it right now. And that that that's understandable. They believe in the idea of momentum carrying into the offseason which I'm not going to tell them is untrue because I don't think it's really easy to (laughs) define one way or the other, but it is what it is, I guess at this point. So moving on to the all 22 coaches film of this Titans blowout loss for the Giants. And it wasn't really, I guess it was a blowout. I mean, the Titans barely scored and they only really scored their points off in the second half of the turnovers. Um, But I digress. Uh, We'll start with Eli Manning here, Nick. Bad, bad game for Eli, right? I mean, no matter how you slice it, even his biggest supporters will probably tell you it was a bad game. And again, like I referenced earlier, Marcus Mariota, 88 yards passing, he, did, if, he didn't impress me at all. And this is kind of where I see, you know, where I stand with Manning is more of a gray area than most. Um, I, I'm, you know, I'm obviously more towards the side of, you know, he's not performing at a high level. I've made that clear. Uh, but at the same time, you know, I don't think he's the worst quarterback in the NFL, as some have suggested. And I think that just every week I see bad quarterbacks, bad, bad quarterback play. Um, so, but anyway, in this game, obviously it was, it was not pretty. Uh, he struggled. So, you know, what, what do you think led to Manning's struggles in this game, Nick? And what did, did you see anything different or just kind of a lot of more of the same?
2: I would just say more of the same and not as, I guess people would think it's negative for me. I, he hasn't changed since week three. I mean, it really hasn't been a big, in terms of my overall grade on him, because basically you just have the same Jekyll and Hyde type tendencies where he's going to have great throws and he's going to have. Really, really bad throws, and he had a few really, really bad throws, and and his placement was pretty tough this week. Um, and so overall, it's it's just it's just it was one of his worst games for for sure. But I'd it's not like my opinion really changed of him. He still has the ability to string together good games. It's just very. It's honestly, it, we're not talking out of school here. It's, it's very, very. It's few and far between. So at this point, it's kind of like it is what it is. Um, and I guess that they're okay with that. And they're and I think that that's probably why. I don't know if to believe anything I like hear in the in the press conferences at all from anyone in the Giants organization. So I'm not sure, like, you know, what's going to really happen there. Yeah, so who really knows? But in terms of the struggles, what was interesting was how Dean Pease dialed, Dean the defensive coordinator for the Titans, dialed into the book on Manning, if you wanted to say it that way, like change as much as you can after the snap, uh, both coverage and as well as basically pass rush, um DMP's set, I'm saying this you know jokingly, but he set the record for the amount of zone exchanges he ran this week. And the zone exchange basically being a blitz, but you're only rushing four. So there's someone coming off the line and dropping Manning, Manning, Manning all year. And right. And so, but this was insane. This was like I I think I counted like 10 or 12. And so it's like it was just constant changes to looks. And so the goal then is to make Manning pause and kind of not get comfortable with what he's seeing, and then blitz him occasionally with rushing more than five right And that, that was just put on display and you know the offensive line had some pretty major gaffes um i think at least like kind of blown assignments and that type of stuff and and then uh, two tr- part of it dean p's got a game ball from Rabel because of how good the game plan was you know where to be pitch a shutout it's definitely partially the defensive coordinator um and just in general the front um the front f- I'm getting in the running game. Stick with Manning. Yeah, I think that's that's kind of the, the 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 game there. And his his deep balls were not, you know, he didn't look comfortable really at any point in the game.
1: Yeah. And I mean it's interesting what you bring up about, about the way that, that teams play Manning. It is true. You really don't see a lot, a lot of um more than four, a lot of blitzes. A blitz is when you know a defensive coordinator sends five defenders or more. You don't see that a lot. You see a lot of what Nick's talking about. Zone exchanges where they're really only rushing four guys, but they're coming uh, from from places Manning might not be expecting, and they're changing things after the snap. That that screw with Manning's head because he's you know predetermining in, in some ways where he's going to want to look with the football. And this season, Manning when Blitz, is actually a better passer. He has five touchdowns and one interception when blitzed, according to Pro Football Focus. Um, and then when not blitzed, you know he has worse numbers and. You know, this is this is a part part of the reason why. But, you know, at the same time, there's also the flip side of that, Nick, because I was looking into the numbers and the Giants have, according to pro football focus, the seventh worst pass blocking. Uh, great overall for any team. So I looked into, you know, all of the teams that were in that bottom six, just worse than the Giants. You look at quarterbacks like Phillip Rivers, who has the fifth worst, uh, Chargers, up the fifth worst pass blocking, and Minnesota Vikings, her cousins, Chargers at the sixth worst pass blocking, and on snaps where the quarterback is not blitzed. So they drop back uh, on snaps where they weren't blitzed 150 and 143 times, respectively, I believe numbers were. Uh um, Manning's only done it 110 times. But Manning on those 110 dropbacks when he's not blitzed, or I'm sorry, when he is blitzed, was sacked eighteen times. Cousin was sacked five and Rivers was, or Cousins sacked six and Rivers was sacked five. That's a massive difference, Nick. That's 13 plays or 12 plays, 12 or 13 plays where, you know, you're taking a massive loss. You're putting your offense behind the sticks. And, you know, most of the times this season when Manning has been sacked, the drives have been killed, you know, 12 drives, 13 drives. It's almost a drive a game that's ruined by a sack, you know, that, that he's taking that. Some of those other quarterbacks who have a similar profile to him, like, Philip Rivers and Like her Cousins are not taking. Now, with some of that the fault of the offensive line? Sure. This doesn't account for um how well a, a line performs when they're facing just a four man pass rusher fewer. But at the same time, you can just tell that, you know, he's he's a little bit uh he's not getting rid of the football the same way those guys are. He's not recognizing things fast enough. And part of that is like you said, I mean, defensive coordinators are confusing him after the snap. Would you I mean, would you say that's been pretty consistent since week I mean you said it, it's been pretty consistent since week three, correct?
2: Yeah, and that's the thing. It's, so it's not like I have the crazy, like Manning's play is, is is variant from snap to snap. But I don't, in my opinion, like I said, it's kind of been just a line of like, eh, you know, that's, that's, that's what you're getting. And, you know, I think that this week too, just to add to it, I think that there was the two of his sacks where, where he was a snap to contact of like 3.4 seconds. So you had exactly what you're saying where it's like he's holding on to the ball. And that was kind of a tough one where he can't escape and evade. And his play speed is in one right. where he's getting off that second and third reading and that alarm clock's going off and the ball's getting out no matter what. You didn't see that this week. So again, that's the whole, that's the defensive plan. And and look, it's all out there on tape and I think it's going to kind of kick the NFL's a league where it's until they're able to basically beat this, it's going to keep on coming.
1: Yeah, you're right. And it's interesting to think about Nick, because you know, there there's some times where I think about the future of this team. And I think maybe Eli Manning at a pay cut is the team's best option for 2019. And then there's other times I don't. And the only reason I even consider it, Nick is because I just really don't know if like, okay, you tell me Teddy Bridgewater and I can look at some of his preseason games recently, or I can look at some of the games from the season he threw 14 touchdown passes. And I'm not seeing immediate upside there. uh, When you consider kind of the cap hit you're going to take from cutting Manning, even, You know, even though they're gonna get most of it back, they're gonna have to take a hit, plus then pay a guy like Bridgewater. You know, Nick Foles, his name comes up now. I'm personally not a Nick Foles fan at all. Nick, uh, can you can you give a quick we're gonna dive into all this by the way in the offseason, guys, so don't worry. But (laughs) Nick, I just want a quick, quick take up from you. And I won't ask you any other guys, we'll save the rest. But give me a give me a quick quick take, Nick
2: Foles. The quick one? The the quick political one? Avoid. (laughs)
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's uh, the guys had what do we had a five game sample size now? Uh, four games, four game run in the playoffs for the Eagles, I believe it was. They were the wild card, you know. Most of those games, it's just like I, I, don't know. I'm not, I'm not there. Or no, it was three game sample size with the playoff run because they were the buy. So then it was that, and plus this last week against, um, against the Rams. I mean, again, this is not somebody I want to invest in. So then you're looking at who are the other legitimate options? Jameis Winston, a guy the Giants are never going to sign. Jacoby Brissett, a guy who the Colts reportedly turned down a second-round draft pick in a trade draft week last season. So obviously I don't want the Giants giving up a first-round draft pick for Jacoby Brissett. I think I, I, think it would be a crazy move, Nick. Um, <laughs> and then you're looking at you know, wild cards like Kyle Slaughter, who Pat Schirmer has been rumored to be interested in, Vikings quarterback. I don't know what it would take to trade for somebody like that. He's under contract cheap for I think one more year maybe. Believe it's one more year in 2019, and other than that, you know, you got the quarter, rookie quarterback class. Who, you know, some people don't even believe there's a single first rounder in there. I, I, McShay is one of those, and obviously, I don't, I don't always go to Todd McShay for my quarterback takes. Um, actually, I don't ever go to Todd McShay for my quarterback takes. Uh, but at the same time, it's it's worth noting that a guy who's paid to do this every day of his life doesn't see a first round talent in this draft class. So, you know, we'll get to that Nick, but I think for now we'll close the book on Manning uh, for, for this game. And obviously we'll have to evaluate it again next week since he's starting uh, the game. And I hope, I hope, I really hope that Kyle let it does get promoted back to the number two quarterback job after getting demoted, last week for Alex Tanney because you know what, in the end, Nick, I don't see, I don't, I don't see the giants turning to Tanny if Manning struggles, but you know, maybe if Manning struggles against the Colts this week, that they will turn to
2: Loretta. Yeah. I think that the last point we just had on the, the Loretta side is that I think that um, I think that, it, I think they're taking a longer term view here. And I think it's a competition for the backup spot. And it's basically in Manning's hands if, for what he wants to do next year. And then this year, it's like, I think it's either going to be, or sorry, for next year, it's going to be Tanya or Loletta. And they're okay with Loletta competing that way, meaning he may never, he may be like a perma Jeff Hostetler, um, which. Again, for a fourth rounder, that's almost not a bad take if you can if you can get that, right? Like an actual backup quarterback. So that may be where they're thinking. It's not to challenge Manning, it's to actually solidify and get in that spot over two to three years. I don't know. I can't give you any other, any other yeah. reasoning for why they would do this. I mean, they don't they, they clearly don't believe that he's ready to go. Correct, right. Otherwise you would play him. It's like that. I think it's that. I really think it's that simple. So anyway, we should say.
1: All right, moving on to another player who was uh, an interesting takeaway. Had the highest grade of any Giants offensive player, according to Pro Football Focus against the Titans, and that was Evan Ingram, who also saw his role increase after some people worried that, you know, maybe he wouldn't play that often. I was hoping his role would increase, but in different ways. I was hoping they'd use more 13 personnel with Simonson, Ingram, and Ellison on the field, or maybe some personnel packages with Ellison, Ingram, and Penny, maybe some things with, uh, you know, packages with, you know, Ingram lined up as the the boundary receiver. But, you know, it wasn't a lot of that. There was just a lot of 11 personnel in this game, which we'll get to soon. But in general, Ingram had another uh, pretty solid receiving game. Nick, what did you see from Ingram?
2: The, uh, it was interesting to see something we had kind of knocked him before was the ability to win early in the down. Right. And, and um, he was able to use it a couple occasions, uh, basically single yeah. move releases uh, from the slot to be able to basically beat slot defenders, which I thought was a cool spot to actually note improvement. You know, Whenever you say things, there's takes, but then there's takes for the certain games and evaluations for certain games that changes game to game. So improvement was good. Um, and I liked a couple elements that I've actually written now probably like 4,000 words on Evan Ingram in the last 24 hours and published only a thousand of them. There's a second part of my series going forward for Ingram going forward and for the offense going forward. And just to kind of get the highlight real quick, it's, I think he, I think they should kind of move or run more of him as an H back, which they have done very sparingly this year. Um, and the reason, the quick reason being without getting into all the details is that if you get, if you give him more space, I think, allow him just higher odds of a matchup versus a a, uh, a linebacker, whether it be zone or man, I think he becomes deadly. And then from a tactical standpoint, having basically – what Dan and I have talked about 21 personnel all year, right? We want to see more of it. If you have him in the backfield as an H-back, is it 21 personnel? If there's another another tight end on the field, is it 20 personnel? It puts defenses in these weird quandaries that Big 12 defenses get – puzzled with every week and if you watch enough big 12 you see that you see great offensive minds using hvacs and i just think it's a big part and it's kind of a cool thing that leads to many other elements within the offense and could unlock him as a player by allowing him more space as he gets into routes to allow that he to make sure he doesn't get collisioned, and to as well you know get his speed going up because he's not a quick burst guy so um, that will be hitting uh hitting uh, the internet tomorrow
1: yeah, and you know what, Nick? We talked about this right before the show, and I I love this idea, Nick. It got me really fired up because, as you know, and as the people who've been listening know, I've been looking for ways to get Ingram more involved in a bigger piece of this Giants' offense, and I've suggested maybe you know him dropping weight in the offseason, moving to wide receiver. But this to me is just the the much better idea. You put him in an H back role, you have him in a unique role of the offense, uh, you, you know, a unique role in the offense, and like you said gives him a better chance with his skill set to win. And it gives you a unique piece in your offense. Nobody in the NFL is going to have an H back like Evan Ingram. Nobody. Okay. This guy ran a four four one at the NFL combine. And again, like you said, Nick, I did like to see how he was doing some of the things we he struggled with earlier season, like winning early. But you know what, Nick, he did win early at times, uh in some of the games earlier, way early in the season, I remember against the Jaguars sure, sure. over routes that really he ended up just dropping, but he should have caught. But you know, part of it may be that he was injured for a stretch of the season. That really was an ugly hit he took against the Texans, um, and then injured his hamstring a few weeks, you know, a few weeks after coming back. But like you said, it would give the Giants uh, some creativity and some uniqueness in their offense, um, and it would allow him to kind of stay at the weight he's already at to do some of the things he's already done as far as the blocking goes and some of the concepts. And, again, they used him last year in this role with Ben McAdoo, actually, a couple times. He scored a touchdown against the Lions from an H-back role, had a couple other big plays. So hopefully they can mix that back in uh, to their offensive scheme. And one of the routes that Ingram won in this game, and you did a good job of breaking down on Twitter, was that fourth and – I believe it was fourth and goal right at the end of the game when the Giants were trying to get – just one point on the scoreboard and Ingram won really early with a great route um, should have been a touchdown Manning underthrew him uh, on this ball uh, and again this was a very short pass and this was a it was obviously an alarming pass in my opinion by Eli because this pass has to be made I think nine out of ten times I would say uh, just based on you know the distance uh, the lack of pressure on the play the Manning's ability to really you know the quarterback's the position the quarterback was in. Would you agree with that? That was a bet, really, really bad play from Eli on that one. That one looked like the like the ball came out of his hand weird
2: for whatever yeah, reason.
1: I mean that happened a lot. I, I, I guess I should say that Nick, you're right, because that happened with Mariota a bunch too.
2: Yeah, I th- actually, the one I hated the more was the one before that to Fowler on the fade to the on the kind of pylon fade to the left. It was the second down play. Fowler destroys the corner and Manning like throwing to the left again. The fade to the left. Manning's feet get all kinds of like out there basically he's left his plant foot is facing the sideline and the ball like misses by four yards. And you just kind of look at yourself like you have to, you know, it, this is what they have to live with basically, because it had the, again, we're not talking out of school. This is all on tape for this year. And just, anyway, that's, that, that throw was worse to me than actually the, the ball kind of you know not getting to where it should be on fourth down. Yep. And you know, it wasn't only bad for the Giants passing game
1: in, uh, against the Titans in week six or 15, what happened with the run game, Nick, after just two <laughs> really, really good performances by the Giants run game against defenses who were really good fronts and geared up to stop Saquon Barkley and the run game? Why were the Titans able to do what those teams were not?
2: Yeah, it's, it's a kind of a smattering of blown assignments to, I think, um, and, a, and a very aggressive front um, that, that was geared up to basically – the, the, the Giants got out physical on both sides of the ball. I think that that's like almost the biggest element. It's really not a nexus in those things. I have a lot of notes of negative Wheeler smoked and, yeah. and a lot of pulley play strength issues. Um, you know, just just kind of in the game. So I, I I I think it's kind of that way. I think that the you know if Barkley was at his, I don't think Barkley had his best game. I mean, really I don't think the the lack of run success had much to do with him. But I think if he was at his, if he was at it like a crazy elite, like unbelievable. If he had his greatest game ever, I think he could have hit some of the creases, but again, they were so small and so tight that it wasn't, it wasn't, there wasn't much there. Um, And they, they had to move away from it because you know, what ended up happening just from a strategic standpoint, um, the giants were running base personnel packages like everyone wants to see. So what we mean by that is 21, 12 personnel, some, some one, three personnel, but not much. He, the Titans were running nickel to that and which is usually not the case, and still out physically the Giants and still beating them up basically. And then with even Kenny Vaccaro, their strong safety, who basically is a key part in that nickel run defense, he gets injured, they're still beating them. And so at that point, if I'm Pat Shermer, I'm thinking, okay, so if I'm gonna run 21 personnel and I can't run the ball, I'm basically saying that Penny is a, bet, is a better player than my third wide receiver. And you can only say that so many times before you have to basically give in and say, if I'm down in the game, especially, and I need to throw the ball. We're not getting the looks we want. We have to get basically Coleman or Fowler, who's a better receiver than Penny. And I can, I can
1: understand that, Nick. I do totally get that from a schematic standpoint. But I don't think the Giants were ever really down that much in this game where they needed to abandon to the point, you know, to the, to the extent of which they did. I mean, if you look at the numbers of the personnel groupings they were in, it was almost all 11. It wasn't like something where, you know, they tried, they stuck with the heavy personnel for a long time and then went to it.
2: That's the only thing. <laughs> but they were 50% though they were 50% 11 at halftime it really the second half got massively because of the long drive in the fourth quarter they're running hurry up so you've got to be an 11 right. they had multiple three and outs before then that it where they chose 11 so they were doing it there but um, you know at the first at the, at the first at the end of the first half they were at 50% 11 personnel which is basically the bottom of the league where they had right in line where they had been in the last four or five weeks so right. I was, I was kind of okay with that, with that part of it, but then I'm okay with them at halftime saying like, Hey, we got to bag this because you know, we got to try to get something going. The, the lead, I think obviously watching the game, and this is a field thing. It's not a tape thing. It felt like it was four touchdowns. Um, so I think that was, that was the attempt. It obviously didn't work out that well.
1: Yeah. And I can understand it. If you're not running the ball against nickel, you really, you may have to just, you know, just give up for that day. So it's a different perspective and I can definitely understand it. Um, so you know, along the lines of what you said, as far as getting another receiver on the field, Corey Coleman saw his snaps really decrease in this game from 42 to 22. You know, he's one of the guys that I'm looking at moving forward as somebody who I think should be playing uh, more down the stretch run. Uh, because this is, again, we have to see what they they have to see what they have in him before they offer him a, a, a tender as a restricted free agent. Do you agree with that?
2: Yeah, yeah. And I'm just wondering if <clears throat> I don't know. I think if, in my mind, you know, I go back to I'd rather have I'm I'm a big um, I'm more of a uh, – who's coming off injured reserve this week that just came off today? Limer,
1: yeah. That's your boy.
2: That's the, that's the kind of day I've had, by the way. <laughs> I really can't remember Latimer's name. Uh, I'm, I'm more of a Latimer guy than I'm a Coleman guy for wide receiver three. And I, But to Dan's point, though, like get him snaps so you can further you can further see that. I, I guess, Dan, what we're saying is that Fowler – that they're liking Fowler more than, than Coleman. Is that oh, kind yeah. of how the – and so I, I guess I, – I don't know. I think Fowler's physical. I will give him that. Yeah, but but besides that, I, I I I like the potential of Coleman to be able to go deep. They need right. that. Exactly. So if you're not, About three podcasts ago. Right. And so if you're not going to do that, then 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 I'm not trying to be negative, but move on from him because you you're going to have to find that four four guy right, yeah. on some level that takes the top off. And if he's not in the grade, But if it's you know, but my you think
1: thing is he was doing it against the Redskins and the week before as well he was winning vertically, like regardless of how he did it, you know, he won vertically in both of those games. So it's like, was he tested vertically in this game? No, they didn't even give him a
2: shot. I can't recall. Cause they definitely threw a lot of vertical concepts, almost more than I, th- that I thought they would, but I'm, I'm, I'm only thinking of Fowler off the top of my head. I can right. only think of Fowler and Shepard too. They're running Shepard on double moves and, that wasn't really his thing, and whatever. Now, you know, I think he's a better route runner than intermediate that they should have kind of Yeah, that's
1: where he shines, of course. They, they're they mixing him at. They're trying different concepts for players that really don't fit in that receiver core right now. That's another issue with the Giants right now. Their wide receivers are not not getting unbelievable separation. Would you agree or disagree
2: with that? Yeah, I think it's tough with it. You know, without Odell, you see it on tape that they yep. don't have. You really see it. And, and the, the, the dynamics are different. It's not to say that, that you need one or the other, but I think that... Well, I, no, you do need one of the other. And I think that, but on top of it, I just it's not like the coverages would have been that different, I think, for the Titans because they just run a base quarters package. And even though they ran a lot of single high th- th- this game, uh, but just still, it's like I think you need to have that other dynamic player on the other side if you're going to have uh, basically Shepard running an ISO route on the left side. He's not going to win that alone all the time.
1: Right. And we'll move on to the defense in this game. As, as you said, Nick, the biggest, I guess, the biggest takeaway we both have for this defense is they just uh, got beat physically in this game. Um, you know some of the players who had good games in the past. Grant Haley. This was not one of his best games. He was, you know, he wasn't terrible. And again, they're using him in a really interesting role. Don't you agree with that, Nick? The way I see it, like he's, it's, it's like a he's, he's a big, he's almost like a big nickel, like linebacker slash defensive back.
2: Yeah, they the in his, in normal nickel, he's the nickel back to the field, and he's he rarely plays to the boundary. He's usually in space. Um, since since the injury, they've moved everyone around to all different parts of the game, and and what the Titans were doing is when they play with reduced splits or negative splits or nasty splits, they're called. He then moves in. When he moves in and he's part of the run fit, he looked very overwhelmed in this game to the point where it was like he got pan- he had two of the most vicious right. pancakes I've seen, and I didn't I didn't want to put him on Twitter because it's just like hey, there's no reason to pile on. I mean, he's 190 pounds and versus. Right. 290 pound dudes so it, it was just it was tough, but I think it's I think he was Physically put in a place where I don't think he, I think it was difficult for him to make plays And he wasn't the only one, you know guys like Riley were in right positions and could not really make Many plays at all in terms of finishing you know, there were many guys that were in right positions the only guys who finished all day were really morrow and 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 and, uh, and goodson and, and ogletree at times, but for the most part you know, It was just it was a tough game overall and they were really um, but like I said, and what I was talking about before a little bit, yeah, uh, you know, I thought they were so dominated in that first drive that I thought the score would be 28 nothing by the fourth quarter, and they would have like three possessions. Yeah. Um, you know, they, were, I, yeah, I thought they would pack it in because it was, it was, they were, it was that hard, or it seemingly was that hard against the offensive line. You know, you had a right tackle whose dad had just passed away. I, I found that out today. That I think I don't even know the guy's name. I hadn't even heard of him. Number 71. Right? but a guy played out of his mind. Well, Anthony Kelly, correct. Yeah, dude, and honestly, like, yeah, just
1: yeah. to say he- – From the Eagles a few years ago, this was an amazing trade by the Titans. You never find talent like this. Back-end trades. I forgot I think they traded Doryo Green-Beckham, uh, the former second-round draft pick bust, who actually was taken before Landon Collins a couple picks before. Um, and they traded him for Dennis Kelly. Everyone thought it was just a throwaway trade, but Dennis Kelly is, like, the best swing tackle in the NFL, basically. Yeah, it was, know, it was crazy to see him, like, you
2: know, kind of say frankly. Right? Like, he, like, beat the whole yeah. shit. Sorry, he like beat the living shit out of Kareem Martin a yeah, few times. At the no,
1: line. he did. Should have ever, but that right side, of that Titans line was just killing people. Like, I, these are not even big names playing over there. Really good job developing Lyman there for Tennessee. I think, um, mm-hmm. and that's been the case for multiple years now. But you know, I, I like you said, I saw it. I in my notes, I have it similar to you. I thought Goodson was the best defender on the field for the Giants, which is good, interesting. You know, for them for sure. Like you said, Morrow flashed a little bit. I thought Mario Edwards actually flashed a little bit. He didn't play that many snaps, but. Um, he definitely flashed to me and, you know, some of the other interesting parts of this game, Nick, that I wanted to touch on were one, we'll start with Olivier Vernon, who was dominated by Taylor Lewan. I mean, he had a terrible game, Vernon. He had a terrible, this is not, you know, you, when you're making 20 million against the cap, you can't have games like this. Like, and he has them so often. It's like, uh, I, I, at this point, Nick, I think we're getting to the point where the Giants might have to just eat the dead cat money on, on Vernon and look for some kind of replacement.
2: Yeah, I think that, you know, he's got a good bull rush move, but... That's his not, only move. That's the only move he ever tries. Perfect. Yeah, and I think, I think it's really weird. Like It's hard to see what's injured with him. Usually when players are yeah. injured, you kind of point to one move that they don't have. He doesn't have... He has an okay swim move, but his push pull before the swim to basically start the pass rushing plan is just totally absent. So he's running into guys and trying to gain half man, which he doesn't get, and then it's just like a long arm bull move where you know most guys in the NFL at the tackle position are not going to be you know you're not going to take them into the back into the quarterback that way. Especially like he's only like two eighty, right? Two seventy five. Um, I don't know. I, I, I we need more from him, and specifically too, just again to speak on the traits and. Not just to try to hammer the player, but in the preseason, he had a good sack in like the second game. I want to say where they ran a three-man slide to his side, and he jumped in between the tackle and guard like very nimbly with explosiveness. We haven't seen anything close to that since the Eagle game week six, right? And they're and then it's just gone away. So again, if you're talking about an injury, you're talking about an injury. But then it comes into you know is his body durable enough to right. to, guard, to justify his salary? I, I don't know. And, you know, at this point, the, the, again, we're not speaking out of school. The tape's all there. I don't know what to say. You know, It's tough. It's
1: tough. I mean, listen, you don't know if his body's up to the test, but I can I, tell you what. He's been injured in his, all of his three seasons with the Giants. He had a broken hand that he played through in his first season that he said – you know he didn't say, but it limited him in the first half of that first season. He signed high ankle sprain last year, high ankle sprain this year. Doesn't look like he did in that preseason game uh, where he was pretty dominant. I got – Know excited about him being an X factor on this defense. Um, Other interesting notes, though, I thought Nick that I took away from this game is they're scaling back Lorenzo Carter's snaps, actually, which I, you know, I'm actually a little disappointed in. He only played 19 defensive snaps uh, against the Titans when, you know, they were set. Curtis Riley, the, 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 you know, there were 70 defensive snaps and he played 19 of them. So, what do you make of that, Nick? And, you know, is there something you're seeing on the all 22 that? Get, that makes you kind of think, okay, we can't have fifty-nine on the field for that many snaps.
2: No, I think I think you may have to look into maybe a micro thing with the um, with the physicality of the offensive line. You know, that's not Carter's thing. So when you have guys like Kareem Martin getting pancaked, you know, Carter's going to get pancaked probably worse. Right,
1: that's true. He's only two hundred fifty pounds. That's a good point.
2: Yeah, and Morrow started the game as edge rusher. So, I think that was kind of their, their hope was to take their most physical guy to, you know, and, and get him going that way and kind of stick with that, which, again, is kind of the cool thing when you have a deep bench, right? It's like you can kind of switch from game to game, and, and they will do that and they will stick with doing that. And I think they're, they sell their guys on doing that again somehow because, obviously, like you say, production and time are going to vary uh, heavily
1: yeah no doubt and i mean you see it across the board i mean i think sean chandler should play more snaps he only played nine snaps but i guess you know like you said these could be matchup and game dependent decisions by betcher um but hopefully guys like him chandler really all three of the rookies chandler um carter and rj mcintosh only played 10 defensive snaps against the titans i'd like to see them all at least double that down the stretch honestly i would i would and uh, i think it would be good for the giants future but we'll see where that goes um But we'll move on from the All-22 of this game. We'll bury the tape, as they say, um, and we'll give a quick preview of the Colts game. Is there anything specific you're, uh, you're looking into in this matchup, Nick, under the assumption that Odell Beckham will not play?
2: Um, nothing specific. I guess you want to start probably on the offensive side, uh, or do you want to start on the defensive of your choice? <laughs> either,
1: way, either way, whatever you're, you're looking at right
2: now. The, the defense, it, not to simplify it, I haven't, to be fair, I haven't studied that closely since earlier in the game, Earlier, sorry, earlier in the, in the year, uh, but they're predominantly a too high coverage uh, structure. They play a lot of zone and they've got a lot of They've got pass rushers that are better than you would than you would expect. You probably haven't heard their names, and to be frank, I actually like can't recall many many of their guys that are playing off the, on the right. front four. It's one of those, but it, it, that's the type of defense it is. They get after that. They get after the, the quarterback. And from a zone perspective, you have a lot of twitchy players. So Darius Leonard is their, is their star rookie linebacker. He's going to be everywhere. John are going to get used to that to his name in the secondary. They have guys who. You know, can absolutely make plays, and I think that they played a lot better. They're a great example of a team. If you watched them in Week Four, Week Three, even you would not really think that they would be in the position that they're in at this point. It, like you could see, they have a lot of young players, and 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 they're going to be good in a few years, but not not this quickly. And so, their ability to win these games has been great, and something that is is a good test for the Giants. Again, Dan and I thought it'd be a good test for kind of Kyle Letta because the the looks I don't think are going to be crazy varied. Um, comparatively to like the Titans or or guys like that that we've seen, so um, that's kind of what I'm what I see. It's it's going to be it's going to be it's going to be a good matchup to see how the interior line can handle Leonard, um, in yeah. all passes of the game,
1: no doubt. And you bring up a good point. I mean, they're really making a lot of they're playing really well now, uh, and they've improved drastically over the course of the season. They didn't really invest that many of their assets last offseason into the defensive side of the ball, they invested a lot of their assets. It's the offense side of the ball. And then they hit on Darius Leonard, the linebacker they select in the second round. A lot of people called it a reach. Well, he's the best rookie in football on the defense side of the ball. And he might be one of the best defenders in the NFL right now, just this season alone. He was snubbed from the pro Bowl, pissed about the decision, told reporters this week he's going to have 40 tackles against the Giants, obviously joking around. But Leonard's a guy who could really disrupt this game. Um, and on the flip side of the ball with the Giants defense, how do you, how, how do you see them slowing down Andrew Luck in this game?
2: Yeah, I think that with, with Wright, the offensive coordinator, you've got a lot of basically, there's a lot of eagles in the, in the Colts. Right. And so what that means is kind of select quick game, um, a multiple running game, which they kind of, they really have a lot of interesting wrinkles in the run game, which will be, you know what, actually it's not going to be that dissimilar from what the Titans did. The Titans had a lot of wrinkles in their zone game. The Colts are going to have a lot of wrinkles overall between gap and zone um so a gap scheme and zone scheme, zone scheme so um that they're gonna be very very multiple in their looks and on the, the passing game they don't have standout players in terms of threats but overall it's very concept driven and it's very concept sound and i think that you're is as the next 18 months go on luck is going to continue to see kind of like a you know, basically a a rebirth, I think with, uh, with Reich and, and they're doing a lot of the right things. And, um, and it's going to be, it's, it's a tough test. And it's one where the secondary is going to be challenged. Maybe not so much from a personnel perspective, but, but just as much from a schematic standpoint.
1: Completely agree. I think this is a prime example of a game where the giants could get, uh, you know, could have their first really, really bad game in the secondary. Cause really the giant secondary has not really allowed many big passing plays this year for whatever reason, um, give credit to them. And, uh, these players, the younger players stepping up in James Badger, but this one's going to be a tough one. But on that note, Nick, we're going to actually move it along to uh, questions from the listeners and, uh, you know, mistake on me here for not asking early enough on Twitter to get some questions, but we are getting a lot of late-minute questions, so this should be a fun one, Nick, as we move to- towards this. So we'll start with Benji, a longtime listener and a guy who asks questions on every podcast. Really knowledgeable Giants fan, love hearing from him. Um, so he starts off by asking, he's always got a bunch of questions. He asks, What are the odds of Landon Collins getting tagged
2: after the shoulder surgery? <clears throat> They're high. Um, I, a teaser, I want to come out with like a 10,000 word piece on why they should basically sign him long term. It would have to be a bit of a projection, um, but I think tagging is the middle ground. I totally understand his side of it. He doesn't want to be tagged. Um, he wants to be. He wants his, his financial, you know, security there. Uh, but I think the tag is kind of the middle ground to see what what's what next season.
1: Yeah, I mean, I answered this on last week's podcast, but not, and my answer hasn't changed. I think they'll tag him and then sign him to a long-term deal before the start of next season. Uh, you saw the impact that Collins had on this defense last week. They would have been in, had a much better chance to stop the t- Titans' offense with Collins on the field much much better especially with the way they used haley and the, and the players they tried to use to replace collins's role in the defense so i think it's going to end up in a long-term deal he also asks will we see kyle let start at all this season um if the giants have a chance to spoil the cowboy season so obviously the cowboys lose this week i believe and if the eagles win uh the giant there will be a chance for the cowboys to miss the playoffs altogether um if they finish the season i believe they would end up finishing with uh Eight, eight, eight and eight if the Giants then defeat them again the week after. Um, I don't I mean I'll answer this first thing. I don't know if we'll see Loletta even if the Giants don't have a chance to spoil the Cowboys season even if they already clinch.
2: Yeah, I think you think you brought up a good point I have a couple podcasts ago that in the light that this may be Manning's final game and that seems that seemingly like the, 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 they're paying their respect to him, I don't think that they, you would have a in there right like at all. Um, uh, talking about the, Cow- the Cowboy game, so yeah, I, I think it's Manning the next two games, unless if you know knock out wood, unless it gets hurt. I don't I don't think it's going to be a, a change to there. Yep, and
1: then Benji also asks, "What? This is actually a really interesting question. I want to hear your take on this, Nick. What kind of quarterback are we looking for to fit Pat Shermer's team?
2: Yeah, it's a good one.
1: That is a very good one. Here, um, I- Nick, just go kind of skill set
2: um yeah so yeah so from a skill set perspective i think it's someone who has uh, starting off with with solid footwork um solid footwork to be able to get him uh, easily on schedule the whole thing is timing and rhythm based i think you're going to want to have someone with a quick release and you're going to want to have someone who can uh, diagnose and id things very very quickly but with that said his scheme isn't really rigid you know, in the sense that they run a lot of intermediate concepts. So I don't think it necessarily has to be someone who's a quick game master. Um, but I, I, for me, from a film perspective, I like guys and this, I'm not talking about Shermer now. I like guys with a quick release. I think Shermer puts that high on his trait list just because, um, especially in in today's quick game, which you can use to neutralize a pass rush. That's a big, big deal. But going out to the intermediate concepts, um, I think it can be a stronger arm guy. guy. So I'm I'm talking about a versatile quarterback. It doesn't have to be just someone who, you know, who can basically only put type one throws in 10 yards down the field. I think he does want to kind of push the ball down the field. And I think that in the preseason, he tested Lalletta that way to see where his arm was. I think that was a big part of what he was looking at. So I don't think it's as specific as, say case Keenum and Eli Manning have been um, in terms of their traits. I think it's kind of a bigger thing. So um, I, I would look at those as the, as the, as the big three. Um, and I think that the mobility factor is interesting. Um, I think you need an athletic quarterback that can both throw on the run and be comfortable throwing the run. And then as well um, have the ability to, to, to beat you with his legs uh, in, the, in the run game too.
1: Yeah, and it's interesting. You break it all down like that, Nick, cause I agree with you. And the way you break it down, it sounds a lot like the, the scouting report for Kyle Oletta. Uh, his <laughs> Obviously, again, he did it at a, at a different level, at the Division 2A level at Richmond. And, you know, in the preseason, and in, in his few limited regular season snaps, he did look a little overwhelmed, but he is a rookie. Um, so, you know, I, would, I know a lot of fans have already r- written him off, but I wouldn't be one of them. I wouldn't be one of those fans if I was in your position. I would at least give him a chance and a little bit more time and at least another opportunity when the Giants aren't milking a 40-point milking a lead. Um, last question from Benji. Do you think that Dave Gettleman will trade up for a QB? I'll answer this one real quickly, Nick. I think there's a great chance that Gettleman would trade up for a quarterback if he falls in love with him. Gettleman has made it clear that he is not afraid to trade up. He did it throughout his tenure with the Carolina Panthers, traded up for Taylor Moden in his last draft, the offensive tackle in his final draft of the Panthers, nearly traded up back in the first round to get Will Hernandez nearly traded up back in the second round to get Lorenzo Carter. If he sees it, he will trade up. I don't think he'll trade it down. That's a whole different question um, and one that Benji didn't even ask. But <laughs> I don't think that he'll, he'll trade down at all during his tenure. I'd be worried that he'll ever do that, and that's a valuable move for a general manager. So it's a little disappointing. But, yeah, to answer his question, I do think that it's possible
2: he'll trade up. Do you
1: see it any differently, Nick?
2: No, I think that, they, you know, if 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 – You know, January, it's like January 12th or so when they have to declare. uh, And We're talking about Herbert or Haskins. I think right now those are the top two in the driver's seat if you want to think about guys and quarterbacks going forward. Um, You know, Haskins has a lot of the traits, has a couple of the traits that I talked about. You know, Herbert's got a couple of them too. Both are pretty raw, I think. Um, If they think those are the answers, I think that he has no problem. Uh, Absolutely no problem. Um, Probably we'll overpay for it, and that would be the headline, right? But 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 again if you think that's your guy as Dan, in my opinion too dan is as rightly said then then you get him like it is what it is it's just it's right just, it, ha- it has to be done now if he doesn't that's and if the scouts if the, and again this isn't i don't the one thing i'm one point I'll, I'll add to this is that it's i think it's going to be a consensus decision so you're going to see the pro department we're not going to see it actually you're going to internally it's going to be pro department coaching staff and gentlemen all getting on the same page they now have a plenty of time to do it. Right. Which is what they did not have at all last season. Right. And, and so I think you're going to think they're probably already close, not close to the end decision, but where they have in their heads, how things are going to work out from a pro department perspective. Um, so, you know, it's, 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 it's going to, I think it's going to be one of those two. Uh, I don't, I can't, couldn't tell you who, which one it'll be. And I'm kind of psyched to write about when the decision's made. Honestly, Nick, I wouldn't, I'm not as, uh, I'm
1: not as old as you are. I think they might pass altogether on this class. And and look uh, to the twenty twenty class. I'm not sure of that, but I think a lot of it. It's too bad, honestly, Nick, that the draft comes after the free agency because if it was the other way around, it would it would be a lot. I think it would things would be a lot different in general for all the NFL teams. They'd be able to plan better. But you know, I, I'm I'm still completely in the dark about what their plan will be at quarterback based on the fact that, like you said earlier in this podcast, you can't really take Shermer's comments now for face value Cause what is he going to say when they ask him if Eli has years left? Is he going to say, no, he's done the job. Like he's not going to say that there's, he's not even an op. It, there's no chance he would ever say that. So, you know, I take those comments with a grain of salt.
2: Yeah. And I think there's other too. is like, if, if Herbert doesn't declare, I think, right. You know, you know, like then, then the whole thing is basically, then you're looking at, in my opinion, um, you know, what if they don't move and they want to get a guy like like Allen at defensive end? I think that's the better move at that point. And right. so anyway, we all shall see, and we do not know right
1: now. <laughs> yep. Uh, Giants Passion asks, uh, we have control over Janoris Jenkins for two more years. He'll be playing for his next content. Contract, he can still lock down in coverage. Tackling comes and goes, and sometimes effort seems to also. Do we keep him?
2: I still say yes because of the difficulty that you can you know, bring someone else in on the free agency market coupled with the, the the weakness in this draft class. Um this draft may be crazy where you have a chance at a guy like greedy Williams in the second round. I'm just throwing a spitball, random spitball out there. Unless if something like that happens, like the he's absolutely back and he's gonna and it's gonna see who you know who knows how he'll play next year. I think that the effort, I don't know if the effort comes into is the effort looks like it may not be there, but overall the tackling he tackles like a coverage corner. <clears throat> it's inconsistent. You know, it's, he's not a, he's not that Tampa two corner. Uh, so I'm, I'm okay with that. I'm not, you know, giving him a, like a long-term contract. I think is maybe another, a totally different conversation. Uh, but right now I think he's definitely the seat.
1: Yeah, no doubt. And this is sometimes gets lost in my opinion with the fans who just think, you know, he counts this much against the cap, let's get rid of him. And he counts that much. And then we get that much money because you know, what are you going to do with that money? What are you going to do with that salary cap space? Because, the free agent market is often you know, a really bad place to find another cornerback or to find a replacement for Olivier Vernon. And if there are guys who even flashed any ability like Jenkins has in coverage or any ability like Vernon has as a pass rusher – they're going to cost even more because the cap has changed, the contracts have changed, the market has changed, and you're going to have to invest in them longer term. You're going to have to pay them more money down the line with future salary cap space tied to those players. So that's the whole issue to me with the fans who get on Alec Ogletree's contract and you know nickel and dime every single contract. It's not it's not a system where, you know, if you don't pay for a Nate Solder, you can use that money and find someone like a Nate Solder who's better the next year. That's just not how it works in the NFL and free agency. Um so, you know, with those with the, with those contracts on their back end and a lot of dead caps still tied to both Jenkins and Vernon, uh I think Jenkins will be back again. The the Vernon thing we touched on earlier, they might just, you know, have to have to release him, but um with with no guarantee they'll find any better use for the money. But that's kind of where we're at now. Um, Harlan Hugo asks, think about how you felt about the offense's progress going into this past week. The Giants look similar to the prior five weeks and score 30 points in the next two games. What were your overall feelings about their direction be going into the off season?
2: That's a great question. Um, <laughs> that's a great question. These are kind of snapshot because we didn't get a chance to, to look at them. Uh, I think, I think the, ability to string together big plays has been something that i've been kind of impressed by with the unit at the tail end of the year whether that be beckham um beckham make you know throwing a pass for 50 yards and that type of thing so like the explosive plays that has surprised me and that may sound like people are like what are you talking about this offense is kind of dead or you know it was, it was basically it was just shut out on sunday i guess overall i think it's it's can they harness more of that and get more and build on that that's that's how i would look at the feeling is 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 one of opportunity um if this if only a few things were kind of tweaked in the overall in the overall um, personnel groupings meaning i think their skill positions are, are pretty good you know like i don't know how i don't know what you really need to kind of tweak or change there i think you could you know, talk about adding another tight end on the blocking side of things. That's like, that's like a really good young guy over time. And obviously the offensive line, but in terms of skill positions, I think you're there. So I think if my feeling would be like, Hey, like, you know, if if the simple complexity of Shermer quote unquote works is, is the way I would kind of summarize it.
1: Yeah. I'm with you. I mean, again, though, this, this would be likely offense under Eli Manning. And I know that, you know, we're gonna to have to tackle that topic in the offseason, but he may not be the quarterback of this team next season. I'm still not sold on that. So, you know, good good we'll look for good signs, obviously, and there will be a better feeling going into it because you wanna see Shrimber's offense click. You wanna see, and like we've talked about before, he gets in those play calling grooves. Um, but we'll see how it how it is down the stretch run. Um, Harlan actually the second question, Nick, and he says, Have you guys looked at Drew Locke's tape yet?
2: Uh seen two games, one game early in the season, I believe it was against Georgia. Sorry, hold on a second. This is live and happening, I'm pulling my notes. Um, you know, the Georgia game I think was really tough for him. Uh for many for many reasons. Georgia's Kirby Smart defense is a lot like Better's, um, just with a, a very intact and incredibly deep bench. Um, I saw him as a solid pocket passer there. Uh, with pretty good FBI and solid arm talent, um, you know, the I didn't love the touch his touch throws and his ability to make anything other than type one throws. So anything other than uh, balls on the line, I did question his ability to throw with anticipation and his reliance on that big cannon. Guys that have the arm kind of tend to just throw that and get used to throwing that way. Um, so that was kind of my biggest um, my biggest start off notes. And also just from an accuracy and placement perspective, he definitely got scattershot And when he was, it was high. Um, so those were kind of my big things that I saw. And for people wondering in my process, it's like you take these notes and you kind of just, you end up watching like six or seven games with all these notes and you kind of compile it all. So that was after like basically two games of the big highlights that I had. Um, you know, overall, I think that you're looking at a guy that I kind of feel like he's going to be like a second rounder. I think that there's some guys who who think that he can go higher. I don't think that's really, you know, the way. I think it's a second or third round type thing and, and as a developmental project. But it, I, I think there's a lot of quarterbacks in this draft that are that are gonna be um potential backups and that's the way the team should view them. And there's nothing wrong with getting your, your quarterbacks that way, your backup quarterbacks that way. It's a hell of a lot cheaper than signing a free agent and having him sit there and then getting a free agent the next year. Um, so I think that's kind of what you got here and I'm psyched for the senior bowl to be able to kind of get an up, a much up, you know, much more close look at uh, at him and the, and the seven other guys that got going down there.
1: Yeah, no doubt. And for me, while I did actually see some of Drew Locke's videos from the 2017 season, just based on uh, where I was at studying the quarterback. So intently last season, I've actually only seen one game of his season uh, in 2018. It was the Georgia game as well. And I couldn't have been less impressed. Uh, I, you know, I didn't like what I saw the year before. I'm not a Drew Locke guy. I'll, I'll, maybe I'll come around when I get a chance to look at more because obviously I've only seen one game from this current season and, hope, and you know, hopefully he's progressed. But it was a very – it was a very telling game to me against Georgia. Uh, he just wasn't ready for – he just wasn't ready for Kirby Smart's game plan, It didn't feel like. And like you said, a lot of what you said was true. I didn't see the throws anticipation. I didn't see the accuracy I wanted. Um, and I actually agree with you. I think he'll actually be like an early second-round pick when all is said and done. Um, a little earlier than Mason Rudolph went for the Steelers last in, in last year's draft. So you know, if the Giants fall in love with him, it wouldn't surprise me because he's a big-armed, prototypical pocket-type passer. Then that's what they want. In um, I mean, that's what they've wanted historically. I guess things could be changing with Pat Shermer. We hope, um, and we hope he has a big say in that as well. Um, all right, we got one more question for today, and we're gonna and then we're gonna then we're gonna sign off. And we got one from Giants Super Bowl champs four who asks, how about a look at PFF rating or some other metric for Manning and the average of the O-line to look for correlations, the same uh, for old QBs like Rivers, Ben, Freeze, and Brady. So it's actually really interesting because just this question just came in two minutes ago. And we actually touched on this earlier in the podcast a little bit when I broke down yeah. the <laughs> numbers. Um, versus the blitz where Manning, you know, is getting sacked 18 times on 110 dropbacks, but guys like rivers are getting sacked, you know, five times on, on 150 dropbacks total this season. Meanwhile, you know, chargers have a worse PFF graded offensive line. So I think that that, that's, I mean, I'd have to do a much deeper study into this and look at all 32 teams and all the offensive lines uh, to really get a better grip. But I mean, I think that gives a decent snapshot.
2: The other side of it too. Um, I appreciate that they're old and slow, but you got to look at guys like Rivers, Big Ben, Drew Brees, and Tom Brady. Number one, you're talking about two of the four best quarterbacks in the league, right? You're talking about the all time passing leader. If he's not there already, he will be Drew Brees. But they're all guys with really quick releases. And so, from a trade perspective, forget their age, from a trade perspective, these guys can get rid of the ball. Yep. Like, when they move quick game, The quick game is fucking fast. Especially like Rivers. Especially Rivers. Especially Rivers. Rivers and Manning cannot have any different profiles. You have the ultimate gunslinger like who then is like this outgoing, like, gregarious dude who's kind of the man. And then you have Manning who's the silent professional who's just like, you know, but at the same time can win any game and coming down the stretch, very different, you know, very different ways of doing it. Uh, But definitely I would, I would say from a trade perspective, everyone you mentioned has very quick releases. And from any point in the pocket, those guys, all those guys can get rid of the ball, you know, from a a while under duress um, versus a guy like Manning, whose footwork, I, I go back to, it. I think his footwork is kind of the issue um, when his footwork breaks down, he he then has to reset, and then the long the longer release comes out. And it's just right. like that, and that's really it. It's not again. I'm not saying he's not a Hall of Famer. I'm not bashing him. It's just it's just that everyone has different traits, and these four guys have, have quick releases.
1: Yep. And so we end the podcast for this week on a big band, Philip Rivers Eli Manning <laughs> one of some sorts, and that seems like what the type of stuff we're going to be hitting a lot for the next two two and a half months. I think it is until or two months until. What is it? December, January, February, three months until the Giants have to decide if they want to uh, award Eli Manning his five million dollar uh, roster bonus on March 17th of the new league year. So until then, this will be a hot topic. Um, on that note, I am going to sign off without a go Giants this week because the season is now officially over. Um, and well, you know, you still maybe want to see some wins. It's time to start thinking about draft position. Anything else you want to add before we sign off, Nick?
2: No, good to go. I have my uh, Ingram piece out. Hopefully tomorrow. Um, and uh, yeah, man, I'll, or yeah, guys, I will talk to you guys soon. So for sure, check out Nick's Ingram piece when it drops. And guys, do us
1: a favor. Help us spread this podcast. Like the podcast. Download it on iTunes. Subscribe to it on iTunes. Give us a rating if you can. Um, you know, five star rating. We'll 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 take any kind of review we can get. Thanks again for keeping this thing going by you know you guys listening in every week, tuning in every week, and asking your questions. And on that note, we will sign off and we'll talk to you guys next week.